Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast. For those of you new to the show, I'm comedian Simon Kane, and this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, and today, online content. Chris Evans, not that one, is the founder of Go Faster Stripe, which is an online distribution and content creation studio that distributes and makes DVDs of comedians that quote-unquote he likes. It is one of those little hidden gems of the British comedy scene, and I found that a lot of non-UK-based comedians haven't heard of it. So I think you're in for a treat for a podcast that is about a group of inspiring DIY content creators who have shown what can be done when you just want to make something that you want to exist, and in turn hopefully turn over a profit in the long run. If you're anything like me, you've just got back from the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and you perform so much comedy that you hate your own material and the concept of laughter. And I'm hoping this one will get some people back on the horse and inspire them to start a new project or get something that they've always wanted to exist. That's the way I felt about listening to this one anyway. Before I hit play on the podcast, I am about to go on tour with my second solo hour. This month I have dates in Cambridge, Norwich, Manchester, Bristol, Bath and okay, a bunch of them. Like There's a lot of dates. I've sort of gone all out this year on the tour. Please my website which is linked in the show notes or go to my website by typing in simonkane.co.uk into your browser of choice and you can find if i'm coming to a venue near you any way you can support me would be great but particularly coming to see me live would help my career immeasurably so please do consider doing that and if you can't do that please do consider telling a friend who is in a city nearby where i'm coming i've just done the show 25 consecutive days in a row and i am really happy with how tight it is as a performance piece and how i've sort of grown into the material a bit more by doing it so many times in such a short space of time so i can't wait to take it around the country if i'm honest but in order to do that i need people to come and judge and watch me so maybe in that order maybe the other way around i'm not sure but either way if you could come down please do if you do come say hi it's actually always a pleasure to meet people who listen to the podcast and to be honest with you i've not had a bad experience yet with that everyone's been absolutely lovely and really welcoming so please 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 come say hi i'm pretty friendly uh and <laughs> pretty friendly i'm pretty friendly and socially awkward but that's a different issue so uh, please just come say hi that'd be really nice that's enough of the shameless plug to be honest with you if you are new here please do hit the subscribe button if you're old here please do leave us an honest review on itunes and either way please do consider sharing this episode with someone who you think will get some value out of it but for now this is chris evans okay well if you've never heard of go faster stripe um it's uh, me and a group of pals that like recording uh, stand-up comedy and then selling it on the internet. That's actually the most succinct way you could put it. That's what we do. 
I heard you were a baby clothing company. Oh, well, actually, that is true. The um, When I first had a baby, which uh, he is now 16, so 16 years ago, more or less, uh, I didn't like the baby clothes that you could get. And uh, a friend of mine drew on some blank uh, baby grows, just drew stuff that she thought would be funny. And I thought, you should be able to buy these. So we... Um, we got some made and attempted to sell them, but no one else, no one else felt the same. But what we did have from that was the uh, I kind of found out how e-commerce worked, and um, meant that I could hit the ground running a bit quicker when Go Faster Stripe started. Mm. So I had the I had the call, I had all the programs I needed, I had I'd done all the research into how uh, you can sell things and get money off people and that sort of business. I already knew. Right, and on on your website you say that you uh, sell. You, well, I'm paraphrasing this completely, but yeah. but essentially you sell DVDs from people who maybe wouldn't have got a DVD contract from the mainstream, right? Or uh, want to avoid the censorship of the mainstream. That's true. Uh, I think that's probably less now because I suppose less people are making DVDs. People are buying less DVDs because um, I think some of the people we have are more mainstream acts. But I still like to keep non-mainstream acts. It's anyone I like really. That's that's the. Uh, that's the watershed you have to cross. If I've just so usually I've seen someone in a club or something, and I thought, well, that's very good, and then I might go and see their show, uh, and then I'll ask them. Okay, so it's not. Uh, it's very, I don't want to say a, a, a dictatorship, but it's essentially you <laughs> saying I'm going to sell what I like. It is a dictatorship. Yeah, it's it's mostly me asking people, uh, and that's yeah. Do you that, always ask before you record. That's it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is usually me. Now, people do email in with, with uh, suggestions every now and again, and I look at those, and it's uh, some of the camera people will say something like, oh, I saw this guy, but then, and, but I'll always go and see him first. Mm. Uh, so it's probably, yeah, it's probably a dictatorship, yeah. Although the ideas will come from all, all, all areas. But it's not the ideas, is it? It's just the yeah. people, it's going to festivals and seeing people that you wouldn't have usually seen. Well... In terms of, well, if we start with the first half of that description of what GoFaster does, yeah. if, for example, as you said, people are buying less DVDs, there's less uh, of a market there for that. So if someone, say someone at Universal or, or to Entertain or wherever, yeah. has judged Comedian X, we won't name anyone, but say Comedian X as non-commercially viable yeah. because they can't you know, sell enough of that DVD or whatever, right. how do you justify we can actually do that? Oh well, it, I don't look at the commercial aspect at all. It's not even in. <laughs> it's not in the in the equation. It's just a good. If it's a good show, then I'll ask them. So I'll ask people who are. I, I'm always surprised about how famous or not famous people are, or how easy it is to sell out a gig or not sell out a gig. I've just, I've got no idea when I arrive at a show if it's going to be full or if it's good. I mean, I kind of know about where I'm going to see if it's going to be 2,000 people or 50 people, but I've got no idea before I buy the tickets how popular they are. So that's, yeah, it's not in the equation at all, being commercially, uh, uh, because you can't tell. I mean, it's like double-guessing. Well, look, I can't tell. You can't double-guess how well someone's going to sell. I think Too Entertain and Universal are very good at guessing how well someone's going to sell, but I've got no idea. I assume every time you take on a, I mean, there must be a, a fear element for you then, as well as an excitement element. Every time you take on a new show or a new podcast yeah. or whatever, because it's it's your job. I assume full time. That's what you yeah, do. Is, yeah. So you're you're basically risking your career every time. You know, it's, it's, no. Well, no. <laughs> I mean, if if it's not that expensive to record, okay. and I've got a buffer. I mean, if I had like ten in a row that didn't sell. 
I would be a little bit sweating then, but it's not frightening. It's more it's more exciting. Uh, I think there's a group of people who who like to buy everything I do, so I'm in a real strong position there that I know pretty much everything I do is going to break even, even if it's going to take four or five years for it to break even. And it's the quality of the acts, I think. The quality of the people I record uh, comes through eventually, even if not many people know when I'm starting. And it's not the case for everyone, of course. Some people are kind of well-known even when I'm recording them, so you know they're going to go all right. Mm. So I suppose unwittingly maybe I'm doing some that will sell well and some that won't sell so well. But they all kind of come out right in the end. And in terms of censorship, then uh, your website quite proudly proclaims that you don't censor yeah, anyone, and every true. every comedian has well, every comedian I've spoken to has done a recording with you has said he's never said no. you can't say anything or you can't do anything. What interests me about that is if it's someone you like, and so it's intrinsically your sense of humour. Mm. Are you finding that that's helpful or unhelpful? Because obviously that means there's a specific, even even with like sort of niche comedians or or, or India comedians there's a specific type of comedy you're selling. Yes. So obviously it's kind of more of a bespoke store for someone who has that kind of humour. Like you said, everyone, someone will buy everything. But then obviously that might turn off a lot of people. It might do, yeah. I mean, censorship wouldn't even come into the equation either. I wouldn't dream of asking someone to change uh, anything about their act, really, because that's what it is, isn't it? It's not like... Um, I can understand why people do it. If it was going on, for example, if it was going on TV then you're kind of being broadcast into people's houses uninvited almost. Uh, so then I can kind of see a little bit of reason for it then. But for us, you're, you're welcomed into people's houses. You know, you're going there on purpose. So you want to have the act as it, as it should be. So that's why there isn't censorship. What was the other part of your question? It's just, it's just about how are you finding building that audience for your personal brand? Oh, right, brand? yes. Uh, you're right. It is a niche. It's niche. Yeah. There's no question. There is. That is what it is. It's um, it's a reasonably broad uh, nook that I've carved out. I think it's 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 all people that I like. So it's all people with a kind of I think would have a good heart, and uh, people who have something to say beyond the jokes that they're making. Uh, it's the sort of stuff I like seeing. And there are enough. When I go to see uh, stuff where there are a thousand people there, there's enough people to make it worthwhile. Uh, I don't think this would have been possible before the internet, of course. You know, without without the, let's say, 5,000 people who share the similar attitude to comedy to me, that you know, consuming it. I mean, because I'd be, I'd be buying the stuff that I'm making if I wasn't making it. So I'd be part of this, this gang of people that like uh, the same stuff that I like. Uh, and without the internet bringing all those people together, then... Yeah, this wouldn't have been feasible. You couldn't have done this in the in the eighties. You'd have to you'd have to probably go for people who would who would sell, who would have commercial um, viability. Mm. Whereas uh, now, as long as you've got a good enough, as long as you you know your act is good, then that's enough, isn't it? Yeah, I I agree with that. I know a lot of my friends who are maybe struggling or starting to kind of look into the internet as a distribution model. Yeah, are sort of a bit more wary of it and I suppose I mean that brings me on quite neatly to the fact that all your stuff is DRM free which I assume means I mean the thing is I'm torn on whether to ask this because from my logic if if I downloaded something from your site and I and then I've got it DRM free mm. I wouldn't have any urge to put it online like I wouldn't want to upload it but then I could imagine other people who do get it who maybe want who maybe see it as oh I'm just putting up a preview for that, you know, so people can find more about that comedian or, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great if, you know, more people could see this comedian because they're less, you know, hidden away. So, I mean, do you find 
piracy is quite a problem given the way you sell stuff? A little bit, but not nearly as much as I think the mainstream do. I think, you know, that group of 5,000 people I was talking Mm. about, they're all right. (laughs) So uh, very rarely do do I find like it's a full show put on YouTube. And, And sometimes people put little clips on. I don't really mind that because that is kind of doing what you said. That is bringing the, the comedian out to a bigger audience, which is good, it's, it's what I want as well. Um, but it's not kind of spoiling the show. So uh, I, I don't do anything about, about smaller clips, but once you get to kind of the 15 minute level, then I do, and YouTube are very good at taking taking down uh, videos, but it's, it, it doesn't happen very much. And it, it happens for like a bigger name like Stuart Lee. Uh, his shows tend to get put up a little bit. Um, but then I noticed there was one forum because you can see links. If someone links from my site from a piracy site into my site, you can see that in the in the in the um, what do you call it? It's not browsing history. Analytics. The analytics mm. of the site. Yes. So uh, so I, and I went and I read this this page and it was people arguing this exact point. Whereas a pirate was going, oh, I'm just sharing it for everyone. As we do. That's what we do. This is a piracy mm. website. Uh, and then other people are saying, well, actually, this this is just a tiny operation, and the, and piracy could kill this, whereas piracy probably won't kill your Hollywood blockbusters. So it's it's self-regulating, it's a self-policing thing. Um, and there was a great thing that happened, I think, in that a Russian group of pirates, let's call them, uh, downloaded a load of uh, Richard Herring uh, DVDs and revoiced them in Russian and then re-uploaded them. And I thought this is really good. Mm. Uh, I don't think we've. I've got a copy of um, the YouTube video of this Russian guy, and he really goes for it. He's not like a dry translation. Mm. He's really kind of powerfully going through the performance, and I think it's hilarious and adds something uh, to to the show. And I haven't done it yet, but I've always meant to put that as an extra. Mm. Next time we do one of Richard's DVDs, I shall try and put that on. That'd be cool. So sometimes it adds, is what I'm saying. So it 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 rarely takes away. And I think if people were just sharing everything, if one person bought. A uh, copyright free or DRM free uh, file and shared it. Yeah, that would be dead in the water. But that mm. doesn't doesn't seem to happen. The thing the thing I find really interesting is um, I think the people who are most scared of the pirates don't need to be. Like I feel like I feel like the well at the indie level anyway. I mean I do I do free or pay what you want. Show you know to like a fiver or whatever. And generally speaking, when someone's seen me a couple of times, they'll buy a ticket right. because they want to make sure they have a chair. Not you know not because they wouldn't donate more or whatever. They just want to make sure they can come in and. You know, I, I remember getting an email from someone the other day saying, you know, oh, I, you know, I, I booked a ticket. I, I, you know, I, I always give you a fiver anyway. It doesn't make sense not to. And it was like a weird moment where I was like, oh, this is working now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's only one person that's ever. Right. I mean, obviously, I know other people are doing it, but it was just nice to get that email where I was like, oh, you're acknowledging that you're coming for free normally, and and I feel like free's got such a bad reputation now, especially because of the mainstream's perception of it, and. Yeah, it must, it must be nice that your connection with your fan base or with your, five, as you say, 5,000 people is so strong that they, they almost don't want you to go under. They're, yeah. They're sort well, of employees. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it almost feels like I'm treating people like grown-ups. You know, because you can... <laughs> What's that like? You can, uh, you can put protection on these files, right? But then it's a pain in the ass, And I've, I'm furious about the way that you, know, you can pay like 10 quid to download something and then it's not yours really it's like oh you can only use it on this computer or this system or you can only you can't burn it onto a cd you know it's mine now it's i can do what what i want with it so by doing that by treating everyone like grown-ups here it is it is you know you can if you want to but please don't Mm. and and people don't seem to be 
No, that's cool. And how are you... So your 5,000 is like sort of your rough... I assume that's not an exact number. I just made it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how are you expanding that audience for your... Because per- obviously a lot of your performers have their own little audience or their own little yes. um, communities around yes. them. How are you expanding the Go Faster community? Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not actively trying to do that. Uh, okay. The uh, my marketing, I don't know if you've ever... I'm very poor at marketing. So that I thought, oh, if I put everything into making the DVDs or the shows as good as I can, then it, it'll kind of market itself. That people will ho- hopefully get to hear about what I'm doing. And if you can get someone who buys a DVD by one comedian they like, then they might think, oh, this is good. Let's go and have a look at other comedians on the same site. And mm. maybe maybe stuff will grow from there. But that's the only thing I'm doing really is trying to put out, keep, you know, stuff coming out as often as I can and making it as good as I can Mm. and in terms of pricing stuff everything seems pretty uniform in terms of it from your website yes Uh, except for when you're having like sales on random things is that set by you or by the comedian like how much autonomy does a comedian get over that well actually the comedians do have pretty much they can pretty much say what they want and uh, and I usually go with whatever they want to do but generally speaking for pricing no one ever says anything it's like let's just go with whatever we usually do and it used to be ten pounds, and then it had to go up to twelve when I became VAT registered, and it was a big day. And I thought, I don't know, ten pounds is a beautiful price mm. for things, um, but it won't work if if everyone is paying two pounds less mm. than they're paying now. It's only just about working now, so we went to twelve, and it was fine. It was not a hiccup. Mm. Uh, and then occasionally we have a double disc release, um, which costs to manufacture costs more than twice as much as a single disc to make so I had to put the price up a little bit so those tend to be £15 um, but no one's mentioned that or said anything about it so that must be okay as well what's so nice, it seems alright yeah exactly what's what's nice is the transparency of yours because I, I think with someone like To Entertain for example I don't know why I'm picking on them they're just the only ones that come into mind but with someone like them if I, if I downloaded illegally let's say Jack Wilde's DVD right I don't know how much that's actually impacting him because I in my head of it He's get, he, he just gets a lump sum and mm. there's no like fee there. So to my mind, it's like, well, he's already been paid. They're already covering their costs. You know, he's got enough fans. It doesn't really matter. Um, I haven't, by the way. So I just, just point that out if you're listening, Jack. It's, you. it's, it's not, I, you know, I've, I've watched you on YouTube instead. But the, the, yeah, but with you, it feels very much like you're, like you said, treating people like adults, which I, th- I think comes with a certain level of respect on both sides. Yes, and and for that relationship to work, which is which I think is why Go Faster is doing well, perceivably from my end anyway, so well, is that you're 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 like like you said, you are one of your own fans in a weird way. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I love the stuff we do, and I love uh, as I say, I would I would definitely be buying the, the stuff I put out if it wasn't me. <laughs> Fair enough. I didn't get the question there, do I? I've said that again. That's all right. Um, what do you think of streaming services? So, like Netflix has made a real big push yeah. into into uh, buying up hours, and and I know Next Up has just sort of launched. And what, where where are you sort of sitting in that area? I think I think it's all good. I think that's how people are buying stuff now. Um, I, because I've started off, and I'm an old man. I like physical things in my hand. And I like to know when I bought a thing, I've got it, and it's on the shelf, and I can always get hold of it and play it. Now, you youngsters have grown up differently to this. My kids aren't interested in in a in a physical object. It's you know, get lost, granddad. Where's the you know? We just need the bits. The bits just need to stream into the devices. Uh, so it's you know, it's a way of getting bits into your devices without having to use the postman. 
So I'm absolutely fine with it. Uh, and it seems to be, you know, Netflix is doing really well, isn't it? It's doing all right. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a good way to do it. And I have Netflix. So, I, you know, I, I look at the, the shows that are on there. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's the modern way. I think there's something for me. I always like the physical thing. Uh, but I, I also have I also try and embrace the new ways of doing things. That, that was oddly enough going to be my next question because I wondered if you had demographic information on your quote unquote five thousand because in my head I perceive them to be a bit older than me. Right. Even though it's a digital download because, like you said, it's a. Phys- oh, I mean, well, it depends. I mean, do, you, do you find there's a bigger split between younger people downloading the digital file and older people buying the physical? I don't know. You don't. <laughs> you I don't know. I don't take their ages. Oh, okay. Uh, I very rarely meet people, uh, and they are. Well, <laughs> I it we just meant in general in life. Uh, we did a stall at the McCunthleth Comedy Festival last year, yeah. and um, met some people. Then I would say they were all a little bit younger than me, probably a little bit. I'd say mid thirties were the sort of people that were saying hello to me. But it was such a small group. It was maybe kind of ten people came up and said hello and said, "Oh, we buy your stuff." Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it's an illusion or whether it's just based on my perception on it. But like you said, I think my demographic would download, whereas yours would physically buy. Mm. And I, I wondered whether having you as the sort of, I don't want to say like spokesman for the brand or like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You being a slightly older person means that you'd, you'd sort of be able to bring back in the, the sort of core audience of people that like to buy a physical thing in a way that maybe, you know, a big mainstream label wouldn't because they'll sort of be like, mm, charging 30 quid, I don't know why they're charging. Right. Well, I try and make the things as, as nice as I can. You know, the <laughs> DVD, the, 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 the stuff I like to put on, I like to put on a lot of extras. I like to hide things on the disc, but that's just for fun, really. Um, but that, I think, might make it more worth owning rather than a, 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 a download where you'll get... I mean, I try and put the downloads, I try and put all the extras on as well. But often there'll be like a little 30 second, something funny happening just before we started filming, which doesn't really fit anywhere. You wouldn't download a 30 second long clip. It's uh, So putting those on the DVD is a bit of fun and having the menus, you know, attractive, I suppose. So I do try and put as much into that as I can. Um, but then I've always done that. It's not a, a reaction to downloads taking off. And we have downloads as well. Um, and you can stream from our site, which I don't know. I, I, I don't keep the the data on how much this is used. Someone might email in and say, "Can we? What it would, be, would be better if we could download this file?" And, yeah, all right, we'll try that. Um, here's the thing: we're doing this time. This is the the next DVD that I'm doing is going to have the download file on the DVD as well as the DVD video. I might have to say that again. I haven't got a proper name yeah. for it yet. So it's the, when you put the disc into a player. It'll work as a normal DVD player, but you could put it into a computer and there'll be an extra file on there, uh, an MP4 file, which then you can play in a slightly higher resolution. Uh, okay, so like 4K or something? Not even close to 4K. Okay. <laughs> it's a bit less than 2. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But it looks uh, it looks a little bit nicer right. if you've seen it on a big screen. Yeah. And it's the exact file that you get if you were downloading, okay. if you pay for the download. So I thought I'd try that and see yeah. if that might, be, that might be useful to people to have that. Yeah. I, uh, and I, this might be incorrect, but I heard the story of the start of Go Faster was you wanted to buy one of Stuart Lee's shows yeah. and you couldn't, and you, but you wanted like to have a memory but you wanted to keep that with you. I wonder whether, or what your thoughts are on um, recorded shows versus live 
and what your or what go faster do that try and even make it as immersive as possible so it feels more like you're in the room or whether you specifically go out of your way to make it it is a dvd you're not watching it live it's yeah well it's better live in a room there's no question um this is just a you're like a ghost in the room when you're watching a dvd but having said that we do try and um make it feel like you just could have a seat in the place there's a couple of specific things I do, which is on uh, on Stuart Lee's... So it's an extra joke. If you can put extra jokes in that you couldn't get in a room, so maybe you'll have um, a bit of backstage chat or a bit of immediately after the show chat with the, with the, with the comedian, something you wouldn't get if, if, if you were there. Or while the show's on, sometimes for Stuart Lee's one, for example, we showed people who weren't enjoying themselves. So it's like an extra laugh that you got in the by watching the DVD that you wouldn't have got in the room unless you kind of noticed. Mm. Uh, there's a specific lady who looks like she's having a really bad time, but at the end of the show, she came over and said how much she was enjoying herself, but she really, she didn't move. She looked like she was furious. Uh, and we, we just put it in a rough cut and everyone laughed at that point, which wasn't a point in Stu's show. It was, a, it was the cut made people laugh because we put this, uh, this woman on. So, um, so there's that you can do, but overall it's much better. To see it live, yeah, of course, yeah. I, I'm biased, but I would agree with that. Uh, they, but, you, but you can't see the things live. There's certain things you cannot now see perform live anymore. You know, the shows that we've got are not performed. Hmm. So the um, so it's the best you're going to get. So it's it's you're trying to. I mean, I, I wouldn't say you're trying to do this, but maybe you would. You're trying to arch like like make a make a historical memory Abs- of absolutely. A, yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's just happened by chance. It is just me recording shows that I would like to listen to again. Stu's show was very dense. So I remember coming out of that and thinking, well, I can't wait to listen to that again. Uh, and I couldn't. So that, that's what's set this whole thing in motion. So there's, there's, yeah, dense shows you can listen to over and over. What was your point again? See, this is why I'm bad at doing this. I can't remember enough things. I'm always in awe of the people on question time, even if I hate their guts. It's all right. Because they'll say, right, there's three things I need to say about that question and go through them. I'm just going to edit it so there's like... <laughs> Awkward pauses. Please. Like I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. So it's like the audio version of what... <laughs> um, Stu was saying difficult stuff, right? And it was hard to listen to. And it was almost like a breath of relief to say, oh, look, there's this woman isn't yeah. isn't happy with that. It's not the only one. That, so yeah. The other thing I do is I don't like putting shots of the audience in. Okay. Uh, I do sometimes, but... Um, and if someone is involved in the show, we do. But yeah. I'd rather not have the audience involved because if you're at a show you're looking straight ahead yeah. and you'd only look at someone if they're involved in some way you wouldn't you wouldn't be looking at the row to see how if anyone else is laughing you just you just be enjoying it for yourself yeah so I do do that as well yeah it sounds like it sounds like very much you're scratching your own itch like <laughs> do you know what I mean that is exactly the situation yeah because it feels like even down to the extras you're sort of saying Oh, I'd love to have seen that, mm. and and almost thinking about what value you would have from from this additional content. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know this is this this won't play to your age group at all, but I used to make uh, tapes for people, like C ninety mix tapes. They were great in the eighties. You mean a playlist on a spot? Well, what you could do, you see, <laughs> different from your modern playlist, is that you could put little bits of nonsense in between the songs. I could put a little bit of radio. Or a little okay. sound effect or something. And that's what I used to do when I was making C90s, just for the car or for friends or something. Mm. Uh, so that sensibility, I think, has taken over that you could see a, a, like a cassette that someone had bought from the shops, which just had one album on, whereas a cassette 
so, so it looks like the same physical size, but there's loads more on a tape that I would do that every little last second of it had something on. And if there was only a 30 second bit at the end of the end of side B, I'd find something that would fit 30 seconds that would sound good. Mm. So it's that. It's the same as that, really. It feels like making a mixtape for someone. I understand that, but in a different way. Yeah. I, I make YouTube videos. Yeah. And in almost all of them, in fact, in fact, in fact, in every one of the ones I've made in the last two years, there's something in it that like I know probably no one will ever notice but it's just for me yeah. and it's always and like at one point I was carrying around I won't say what it was because I don't want I don't want people <laughs> knowing what it was but I was carrying something around and I always put it in the background nice. of like a shot I was doing so that I wondered if anyone would eventually realise that at it, for some reason at every gig that's there and like no one's commented so they might have done but they've just been like what's the what's the fucking point but it's just in every green room it's just, it's just I won't say where it is but it's just okay. behind me right. and I really like that because I'm sort of like uh, it meant I had to like carry it to Ireland, like I had to carry it around. <laughs> and for me, that's really amusing because it meant in the edit, I was like sitting there watching, going, "Oh, that's quite nice." But it's, um, I suppose, that's sort of the more modern version of that in yeah. a weird way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great hiding little things. Yeah, I like looking back and forgetting that I've done it. Yes, and I go, "Oh yeah, that's good, yeah, didn't I?" Well, I so I reread uh, "How I Escaped My Certain Fate" that book by Stu. Um, mm. I can call him Stu. Why not? Um, yep. He's never going to hear this, yeah. but I. Um, I, I wrote my own version of that for my first hour because I was trying to analyse how it's going. And I remember as I was like writing it, going, oh, I did put that in just for me. Yeah. <laughs> and it was such a weird moment where you're like, yeah, no one, that's, not, that's why no one laughed. Because <laughs> I found it funny at the start. Well, that's, I, I that's fine. And you need to do that. You need to keep, keep the thing going. Yeah, 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 yeah. More as a performer, I think, than the likes of me. Yeah. I think you need to kind of keep, make sure that you're enjoying every bit of it. Yeah. So the audience still do. Yeah, I think, I think the hard part. I mean, I don't know if you have this for the recordings. I mean, I don't know. Do you do, you do one recording or do you do like several and then oh, edit it together? Depends. Sometimes okay. we do two. Okay. Uh, we don't do more than two. Sometimes we do two and cut them together. Generally speaking, there's a good one and a bad one, or not a good. You know, there's there's a clear winner when yeah. we do two. Um, sometimes if we're only doing one, and the adrenaline of the fact there's only one will make it even better than a combination of two. Uh, so it it just depends. Just this year, we've done, we've done some that have two and some that are one. Sometimes the it's tiring to do two show, If the shows are two hours long, then that's a like a day's work that you're on stage for. You know, it's it's an incredible thing to do. And generally speaking, the second show is rubbish because the person's knackered. But it's nice sometimes to give us the joy of the... If it's expensive to set up, then we know that we've got another version of that. But then it kind of takes away from the live aspect a bit if we if we edit too much so it's a grey area and we do both generally speaking if the comedian wants to do two we will um, and it makes them a little bit less nervous right. if, if they've got um, they, they've got a safety net of another show coming up hmm. but really it's best for if, if something is important and is messed up in the recording you can just say the word again and the people in the room like it and we get an extra from it you know, we get we get a, a uh, what you call the the, the cut out, uh, a blooper reel, blooper reel, yeah, yeah, if you will. So we get we get that. So it, it's kind of better, I think, if we did it just in one show. Mm. But we still do do two sometimes. If it's a, like a technical show where things yeah. can go wrong, I would be much more comfortable doing two. Yeah. Um, but if it's just a man talking, which you know they're mostly just someone on stage talking, then yeah, just go through because you're the likes of you. You're really good at keeping the room together. So if something goes off the rail, then Excuse, that was quite <laughs> <laughs> if the show goes off the rails, or yeah. if someone's shouting something, or if you know the place goes on fire, whatever it is, mm. 
that's the show then that becomes what the show is yeah of course uh, so we've had some on paper disastrous shows that as but the full shows are amazing because if props are forgotten then that there's a whole bit which now doesn't work as planned mm. but we've got a whole brand new bit that's actually happening live Mm. So I love it when those things happen, and I will always argue to keep those bits in. Sometimes we don't because it'll spoil a joke coming up later on, mm. or spoil a thread. But if it doesn't, if it's just if it's more like a live show, then yeah, we leave them. No, I, I wonder because you said it was well relatively cheap to make one. Yes, and I wondered if like you knew how much it cost because I think a lot of performers who are trying to, especially a lot of sort of newer comedians who are like sort of trying to. Um, or sort of immortalise their debut hour. Yeah. I think a lot of... I mean, I did it as well. I was very much like, this is amazing, this is the yeah. best thing ever. And now I'm like, mm, it's great, but I'm better, you know. Um, so, uh, But a lot of them are putting them up on YouTube, and yeah. I know that uh, there's a lot of sort of indie people who are doing a lot of recordings and stuff. And I think, I think the perception is that that's quite expensive to do. And I think... I think as, as much as, you know, you'll, you get what you pay for when you, when you hire someone, I wondered, like, do you, what, what would a recording cost you to do oh well it, it is again how long's a piece of string you right. know and how much how how much money you want to put into each bit uh first one we did cost us nothing actually because i had friends doing it for free uh all the cameras were the, so the camera operators were all doing it for free uh, i had to pay to hire the room but then we kept all the ticket money Stu did it for nothing Stu was our first one so Stu did it for nothing and um we had money left over we paid to hire the cameras and I think that was it we hired the room and the cameras and everyone else was doing it for free uh, and then I shared out the money everyone that kind of gave their time apart from me and Stu everyone else I shared out that I think they got £87 each so that's not it's not even that bad is it for it's a night right. out yeah. and doing me a favour and then from then on I, I, I thought I'm going to pay everyone properly so I pay everyone like decent rates mm. uh, so probably if you want a number I would say you can get a good show for about five grand. I think, which uh, kind of puts, compared with a normal show, you know, if, if uh, two entertainers were recording the show, their budget would be way higher than that. But on the other side of the coin, you could do it for a lot cheaper. You could do it for nothing if you've got some mates that will work the cameras from you and if you're prepared to put all the ticket money into hiring decent equipment. Uh, I would say that getting a decent sound is more important than getting decent images, I think. So uh, if you just had, you know, 300 quid, I would give that to a sound engineer to record the sound properly and to mix it for you afterwards. And then if you've got a little bit more money, then get a professional cameraman in. Uh, you've already hired decent equipment. That's, that's, how I, that's how we did it. That's how we started. Yeah, in my experience, people are a lot more forgiving on video than sound. Yeah. Um, which sounds really weird, especially when you're buying a DVD. But ultimately, your, your brain can kind of fill in that bit that kind of didn't go, or that wasn't as wasn't as lit as well, or whatever. Whereas if they can't hear it, they're definitely not going to yeah, enjoy. You're it. not going to get the joke if you can't hear. You have to hear every word. Yeah. Uh, and the audience can't be too loud, but you've got they got to be there a little bit. Yeah. It's a, it's a kind of a delicate balance. But that is that is where I'd spend my first three hundred quid if you like if I was yeah. uh, if I was you know starting off and doing my first one. If you if you were starting again now, that's where you would. Yeah. And that's what we did do, actually. You know, yeah. that's what we hired in. We had three cameras. This is a poor thing. I don't recommend this. We had three cameras. We recorded Stu twice, and we moved the cameras in between the two shows, which was stupid. But, you know, you don't know when you start, do you? Uh, luckily for us, Stu is very precise. 
So we could cut between the two shows. In fact, we did cut between the two shows and we more or less got the sh we got the show as was performed because he, he, he was kind of so on the button for each of the, each of the lines. But if it was somebody else, if it was Tony Law, not a chance. You know, that would have been, that would have been, we'd have to throw it away. Yeah. Uh, Tony Law, there's no point recording him twice because no. that show is so different. Yeah. Um, once is what you need. For, for him so yeah the, the, don't move the cameras around in between two shows if you're going to do that and get as many cameras as you can I the first so I did two records of my DVD uh, of my first hour and the first record I got a mate who said oh, I've just bought a really great camera it was like a Canon uh, 60D or something it was like a really amazing one and literally about three minutes in he picks up the tripod and moves it and I was like we're only doing one camera I wanted it one camera one shot one like literally oh, no right, other thing yeah. And he was like, yeah, no, but it's because he can still see you on the... And I was like, mm, I don't want it to feel like you've got up and moved seats halfway through. So that's why I had to do it twice, just literally because right. the camera was moved for about 20 seconds. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I would agree with your professional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's not. It's just from experience, isn't it? And mm. I would have a locked off shot somewhere out right at the back so, so you could cover that movement. Mm. Uh, when I feel I've got bits and but I've got a few kind of poor quality cameras now state of the art maybe 15 years ago uh, and occasionally I'm asked to record stuff on in chapter art centre across the road or uh, nativity plays in my kids school and I take these two cameras and it's fine it's uh, I have a zoom recorder that I put quite close to the stage so I can pick up the kids voices uh, and I have a locked off wide shot somewhere at the back of the room on, on the kind of rubbish camcorder like a, just a, a standard camcorder you would have got 15 years ago uh, and then I've got a reasonable, well, not now a good camera, but 15 years ago, a reasonably good camera, which where I get the close-up shots and I can cut between those two and it, and it looks fine. And it's free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. In terms of podcasting, yeah, because that's that's something that uh, a lot of the people that you well a number of people that you do records for give away for free. Yeah, and obviously there's extras they can buy or they can buy passes and things. How do you find the conversion rate is from you know uh, people that are listening to free to people that just want to sort of either you know buy a badge or buy a pass right. or what, what what's kind of that? 
again, I don't really look too much at how many people are, are watching or listening. Um, the the only real the main this Richard Herring is the the guy that makes the the most podcasts that we're involved with. <laughs> And he releases them as audio and video files. So I've got mm. no idea how the audio does. The videos do fine. Uh, we have a reasonable number of people who are contributing to it. And it's enough to keep everything afloat. So that's really all I'm interested in. We tried lots of different ways of, of getting money off people for this free uh, stuff. And I think our first idea was rubbish in that we were charging people for them. We gave away the audio for free and charged for the video. Uh, and that just about paid for itself. So that was okay, but I found a much better way of doing it was to put everything out for free and then ask for money afterwards. So uh, we've got a badge scheme mm. where people can buy badges off us and that and uh, that works fine. Uh, and there's a way of doing it where you don't even get a badge, and more people do that. Oh, so they just donate a pound a month or something, and they don't even take a badge? Yeah. That's interesting. To get a badge costs us about two months' money you know, to make it and to send it out. Right. So we do, and, and the PayPal fees are a yeah. killer. So we don't get any money, really, until someone subscribes for three months. Right. Uh, but, but the ones that, yeah, don't take a badge. So, so that, that's they're great. They're my favourite ones. <laughs> no, I don't mind at all. It's nice to have a badge. I'll tell you what's nice is seeing people wearing them out and about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, so I don't know. That, so you're asking for the conversion rates. I don't know. Mm. Um, I haven't really looked into it. But enough people are doing it to make it worthwhile. We've always said that if you can't afford it, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. But if you can afford it, give us a little bit. Yeah. Or give us a little bit for a little bit of time. Or there's ways where you, there's loads of different things you can do. You can, you can give us a lump sum and then that's it. Or uh, we try and get people. If, if you've given us a pound a month, mm. that is that is the, yeah, the golden people, I think. Mm. So there's there's odd little little um, bits and bobs. You can get extras. You can download extra videos. Mm. And Rich does a a, um, a what do you call it? A raffle once a month. So everyone yes. that's 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 got uh, a badge gets entered into this raffle automatically, like they used to do with premium bonds. Or maybe they still do with premium bonds. Do, I don't yeah. have premium bonds anymore, but I remember being excited by it when I was little. Yeah, they do. They used to do. Oh, they just still do. Yeah. So that's the that's the idea with that. So we give them a little bit back, but not very much. Most of the mm. most of the stuff we create is is now given away for free, which means the audience is bigger. But how many have actually paid for it? I don't know, and I don't care. Do you do you find that has led to more sales of the DVDs though? No. Okay. But I think DVD sales are going down because no one's really buying them anymore. Well, no, even download. No, so the, the, are the download numbers going down? As, as in like uh, the, the DVD downloads? Not oh, the... I see what you mean. Then two of them together. No, it's probably about the same Okay. as it ever was. Uh, so it might be that we'd have lost people if we weren't keeping uh, yeah. keeping Rich's name up. But I think I think his his DVDs are different to his, his podcast mm. stuff. I don't think there's any... There might well be correlation. I don't look at this. <laughs> I'd much rather, rather than looking at a spreadsheet or, or, or those analytics we're talking about, I'd rather just get an edit the next show. No, I understand that. The next show, so I don't really look at it. And it's because it, it's all working, it almost feels <laughs> like a, the machine's working, and I'm not really sure how it's working. So I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to get involved with it too much. And I'm realizing as I'm saying that, that's the opposite of what you want me yeah. to say now, isn't it? You want to know how <laughs> it works, and uh, I'll tell you the bits I don't understand. Oh, but on. I don't look at the. I don't look at, you know, how many people are listening to how many people buy a badge. 
I've just, it's just I've just bought the domain name, you know, go slower square. <laughs> I'm just thinking about starting my own. That'd be useful. I mean, um, I expect people are listening to this to find useful things. Hopefully, there's enough of the things I do know. Well, I, th- I, th- I think anyone who would be listening to this episode would be interested in uh, first of all releasing their own online content or yeah. their own online show. And for, and and say for example they couldn't get on Go Faster or they couldn't get on Net Up, Next Up or whatever they would want to either find a way of making it seen by the most number of people or find a way of uh, getting the money back on the investment of the original because I think I think that's what puts a lot of people off making a okay. show and it sounds like you you sort of take the hit for that for the for the well we charge for seats okay that was what we did the first time as we charged for people to come and then all that money went to the recording mm. um, and then you pull in mates I suppose that's what I did yeah uh, luckily I knew only two professional cameramen when I was working for sport for uh, BBC Wales so he filmed a lot of the rugby mm. which was absolutely ideal for a comedian because there's there's rules about where the ball's going to go in sport so right. you kind of know where it's going to be but you don't know what's going to happen mm. so rarely do the cameramen see the show before we do it so that was lucky I suppose that I knew him and the other guy works uh, in London for um, like chat shows and things Okay. so it's a much more you know exactly what's going to happen and he stop starts a bit more but the two of them together had all the skills that we needed so that's why I suppose we hit the ground running a little bit mm. just by chance just by you know they were prepared to come and spend an evening with me and stew just for, to see what would happen I suppose it also helped that um, the thing is I, I, I'm i torn on this point because I think a lot of comedians think stew is very uh, you know sort of this hidden gem mm. and I would debate that at this point he's actually become a bit more known yeah. outside of his normal sort of bubble of, of cult following and so I think when you started it was probably quite useful for you to be like an indie producer for someone who in the nicest possible way, does hark on about the good old days of, you know, sort of selling stuff out of the back of the thing and yeah. driving around the country. It sort of fit in nicely with the two of you. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, could you, could you have seen it working as well if, you'd, if, if, it, if it wasn't as incongruous with what you were doing and, and who you are? Hmm. Well, I don't know. I think it, both, everything just evolved naturally. So I think that's, Stu became that sort of selling stuff out the back of a van guy because he had our stuff to sell out of his out of the back of his van, uh, and I didn't know there was a van involved. I just I wrote him an email saying I think this should be released now, please. <laughs> and I've got some mates that were prepared to take it on. Uh, I think we were very lucky that Stu's star rose almost as soon as we recorded that thing, which meant that we had the money then to take the risks on on other D. De- and our second one was Richard Herring, right? So I knew that would be about the same. And then uh, we did Simon Munry straight after that. So really, we didn't. We kind of hit the ground rolling. Hit the ground rolling. Hit the ball running. Whatever that phrase is. We did very early doors. We did very well with kind of comedians that the likes of me and a load of other people like me liked. So, but the 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 fact that nineties comedians sold so well meant that it didn't matter what I did. You know, I had I had money coming in from that. That I was working. I had a job as well, so I didn't need this money I didn't want it I didn't want to take the money I wanted to spend all of that recording other people I thought well if this you know this DVD is amazing the Richard Herring one we did next that was amazing and um, I can't remember how I got up the courage to ask Simon Munry but I remember thinking would it be great if Simon Munry had a DVD I think I must have asked you to email him or something but then we yeah we had we had Simon Munry so we had without really 
any idea what was going on, we had these amazing, amazing DVDs made. Did you? Because you you'd never worked in comedy or any kind of anywhere near the end. You were just a fan at this yeah. point. So did you find there was any? I don't want to say industry backlash, but any element to which industry kind of went, hang on, what are they doing? Like, what's going on? No. No? Okay. I've never noticed anything. Okay. Um, no, because I could imagine if, you know, at the time when you were doing it, DVDs were much more sort of popular, or like this was sort of, you know, five... That's like, true, but we're so small yeah. that the people who... Are, we don't sell very many, and I suppose a big <laughs> industry are only after big money things. But the, but the comedians you're, you've recorded, even those first three are quite big names then. Even, yes. You know, so I think I just, I couldn't imagine them not taking notice or not. They might have noticed. Yeah. No one never said anything. Okay. Uh, well, uh, no, that's not true. One guy from one of these big plays, Two Entertainer Universal or someone like that, emailed me to say that he was sorry that he'd, um, there was a sort of contract that was around at the time, it may still be, where, you, where you'd ask kind of 10 up and coming comedians, you'd sign them to a kind of handcuffs clause which would say that this is we'll give you a bit of money a little bit of money now and if we choose we'll make a dvd with you in two years Mm. time or something like that and this guy's job was to go around and find good people and sign them into this now that's that was enough money to think oh brilliant that's free money isn't Mm. it but it meant that i couldn't record with some of the people i was asking because they had this kind of handcuffs deal and i didn't really know what was going on and he emailed to say sorry (laughs) for doing it because he wanted you to do them um, I think I don't know it came over like you felt a bit guilty about you know this handcuffs thing to stop people making DVDs it was just to make money right so the idea was that one of those 10 or 20 comedians would become Peter K famous and then you've got them right? you can make a DVD with them and there's no need for extra negotiation so he just felt a bit bad about that business practice I suppose or the fact that he was the not even the cog of it he was the one that was going out and finding the people that was his job to go to comedy nights and find people to, to handcuff them. That was the only thing I can remember having from the industry, and that was ages ago. That was. Hang on, so I'm just getting this right in my head. So uh, it doesn't matter who their name is, but th- their job was to go out to comedy clubs, yes, scout for talent, yeah, sign them to a contract that would say hypothetically in two years, if you're big enough, we'll give you a DVD. Yeah, that's really interesting because like that that shows potential, but that's also like you do the work and we'll take the money. Yeah. That's really odd to me. Well, I, I don't know if it still works like that. No. I don't, I, I'd be surprised if it did still work like that, actually. Um, I could see it being if you were, were a person with Agent X, you're like a really big agent, them saying something like, if we can get your profile up enough, we'll record your, you know, we'll put out your debut out or mm. something like that. But I couldn't imagine it being so, because you said it's, because they signed up like 10 and only one of those 10 would get the, you know, that would that would weird me out that I'm like competing against how oh, it might not be you know maybe there's they got John Bishop and Peter Kay in that 10 yeah so then they've got two or maybe all of them yeah 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 but it was I think it was the handcuffs nature of it he was mm. feeling guilty about yeah no, I can understand that but it, to, to me the the element to that it's not manipulative it's um, I'm trying to think of the word do you know what I mean it's, it's very um Clinical, and it yeah. looks it looks at them. I feel like from the way you talk and from the way you operate, you you're just mates with a comedian, and you think, well, we'll record the show, and it's very personable. Yeah. Whereas that other attitude feels very clinical and business. Yeah, it's business like. I mean, yeah. that's that's why they've got more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
okay. they're focused on that. And there's nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, really. I know I don't like the handcuffs aspect of it at all. But everything else seems all right, doesn't it? If, if, if you're going to sell a load of DVDs, you're better off going with a mainstream guy because they'll be in Tesco's and you know they'll be they'll have big billboards advertising you. And I won't do any of those things. Not because yeah. I've got anything against billboards. I just don't know how to go about it, or I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have the budget to start risking. You know, if we recorded someone and said, right, let's let's have big billboard adverts or massive things in Edinburgh, massive, uh, or try and get them into Tesco's, and if that fails, that's it. I'm out of business. Right. Whereas this way of doing it, all I've got is just a load of. I want to have as many good shows as I can available to people who find me. Yeah, makes sense. And how? Well, I was going to say how are people finding you, but you've kind of. I mean, I assume it's mostly referrals from the community. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone will have a newsletter. Yeah. Or will tweet about stuff that I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they come that way, I suppose. Do you find the longer the content's out, the more it will just work out viable because it's just once you've sure. made it. It's, yeah. 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 Uh, some things. There's usually for the likes of Richard Herring, he's got quite a big online following. So when his DVD comes out, there's usually like an explosion of uh, me packing up DVDs here on this table. Um, but for maybe someone who doesn't have such a big mailing list, then they, they kind of dribble out a little bit slower. But it doesn't matter. I mean, they're all here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in fact, it's easier for me if they go slower mm. because then I'm, you know, I'd rather pack up 10 DVDs a day than spend have to take a day away from everything else to pack up uh, maybe 500 people will order Richard Herring's DVD all on the same day. I presume you prefer a digital download because there's less work in that for you. Cause there is like, less work in yeah. that. I'm... I'm in two minds about the whole digital download thing because okay. it's nice to have a physical thing. I've tried, I've, had, I've got a few DVDs that have, or a few shows that are just download, um, and because I never look at the analytics, I don't I don't see them going out thinking, oh, that didn't do very well. But then I'm looking mm. at the, I can see how many are sold, of course, and mm. I say, oh, well, actually, that has done fine. That's done just as well as the other ones. It's just I'm not physically putting them into envelopes. I'm not noticing how how well it's done. Mm. Uh, it feels more of a connection between mm. me and the person buying the thing if I'm putting it in an envelope and posting it off to them which is a bit of an old school feeling isn't it but I do enjoy that Are you, is that important to you or is it important to the customer that's I don't think the customer would care and I'm only just realising it's important to me now talking to you about it I'm trying to get into my mind why I don't like digital because you're right it's a lot more it's a lot easier isn't it mm. it'll all happen by automatic and I'll yeah. just get money coming into the PayPal account half to the guy half to me and we're done that is a lot easier. I don't know why I don't like it as much, but I don't. <laughs> I uh, I make badges for my shows right. like, that are representations of jokes from it. Yeah. And uh, I had someone buy three of them the other day, and I had to you know put them in a little bag and send them across. And I realised I made a loss on the back because I didn't. <laughs> I, I sell them at the end of shows, and yeah. obviously for like you know two quid at the end of a show, that that works out quite well. But like you said, PayPal fee, an envelope, a stamp, uh, you know the whole thing, and also my time to to find them wherever they were and yeah. you know, take them down to the thing. No way I made money on that, right? But it felt really nice because I, I even, because by the end of like putting it all together, I sat down and wrote him a little letter, right. <laughs> letter and I was like, oh, thanks for buying these. And like he tweeted me it and was like, oh, oh he sent me a thing. Yeah. And for me, that was really nice, even though I was like, I really hope, I, I didn't retweet it because I was like, if other people do it, it's going to take like, you know, I, I almost don't want to sell them. But at the same token, I, yeah, so I can, I can imagine it's quite nice for you. It is. Well, you get a process. I've got a process. Mm. You know, I've got a, a set. Uh, labels come out of my I've got a special label printer mm. and labels come out and uh, my kids will often help if they're here 
uh, pack them up and we all go to the post office together and I, I know the people in the post office now uh, so you get a process if it's happening if it, once in the blue moon when someone was buying baby grows it would be that mm. I'd have to go and find an envelope because it just never happened uh, and I'd, it would be a special thing and it would take maybe two hours of the day to sort out just sending one thing off mm. whereas now there's a, I've got a process I've got a barcode reader for scanning them into the website which will send an email to the person buying it saying it's on the way it's all it's all been automated as much as possible. Mm. Uh, whereas I still, I'm still the chap putting the stuff in the envelope. So I like, I like the minimal amount of interaction I have. <laughs> Does the comedian ever get involved in that? I know you do like the odd sign mm. one and stuff, but is it not really? I got Rich. Rich was here once when I was. He happened to call around when I was packing stuff up, right. and he did help. Okay, but that's very rare. I just wonder whether they would want to have that connection in, in terms of... Well, they have it, don't they? They've, they've yeah. got their audiences. Mm. So they see the people, they see the little faces, don't they? And, mm. and uh, a lot of the people I make stuff with will sell stuff after the gig. So they'll meet people that way. Right. Uh, I liked it when we had that stall I was saying in, in McCuntleth. It was nice having people come up and say hello yeah. and buy things. And you think, oh, are you going to like that? Or they'll say, oh, I don't really know these people. Mm. I like, you know, uh, satire. Or I knock about stuff and say, well, I think Andy Zaltzman might be the mm. the chap for you. Or um, however they talk, they like radio comedy or, yeah. I don't know, more visual stuff. Then I can recommend. I like that very much. Mm. Recommending stuff. Think, I know that person's going to enjoy that. I don't know that. I hope that person's going to enjoy that. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I'm going to do the last minute quick fire questions. All right. Yeah. Um, so uh, the quick fire for me, but you take as long as you want. Has this been an hour already? Uh, yeah. Goodness me. Sorry, is it? Oh, it's gone past, isn't it? All right. It's flown past for me. It's probably different if you're listening. <coughs> Hello to your girlfriend again. <laughs> I don't know the name of Joe. We'll just, we'll just keep Hello, talking. Joe. Okay, there you go. Hello, Joe. I'll, I'll answer your text in a minute. They've come in, but I've ignored them. This is obviously more important. Um, <laughs> That's not what I said. I did not say that, Joe. I did not say that. He told me to edit it out, Joe. He told me to. <laughs> gonna have to edit all of that. That's gonna take a fucking. All right, okay. Sorry. Um. Oh, this. Break. Uh huh. I was a... gonna say clean edit, but I didn't. What? Start. This is, my, mine's very DIY, so it'll probably stay in. Okay. <laughs> um, this one will be interesting. What are the best books on comedy writing or stand up you've ever read? Oh, uh, Stuart Lee's one that we talked about. Um, I like um, who's that American chap in the suit? Stephen Martin. Oh, I'm just re- I'm, I'm listening to the audiobooks. Okay. Born Standing Up, that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just listening. Does, to did that. he read them? He did an audiobook, yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I've just I literally just got it and I'm about four chapters in. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Uh books on stand up. I might be the only two I've read. Well, by default they're the best. Oh, um what would you count Johnny Vegas's one? I haven't read it. That is amazing. He reads that. Okay. And uh as different characters, and I think Kevin Eldon's in it oh. as one of his inner voices. It's beautiful and really funny. I'm going to say Johnny Vegas on top of all those other two I just said. Okay. I can't remember what it's called. So it's kind of a biography. Okay. It is a biography, but it's um, it's more than that. It's it's the interplay between his character and his sorry his on stage persona and his actual life. Okay. It's beautiful. Cool. What's the best show you've ever seen? The best stand up show. Well, I keep it vague on purpose, but if you want to do it best that way. Show I've ever seen. Uh, I like. What about Tim Key? Remember that one where he got into the bath. Is that the modern slut or something, or the it had slut in the title somewhere? Yeah. I think that was. I think the staging of that rose it above, and it wasn't a novelty either. It 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 was it was hilarious all the way through. Must have been extraordinarily difficult and expensive to tour, 
but I remember being gobsmacked mm. that it was it was uh, I just thought I was expecting a stand up poetry show mm. and got that I've, no, I've never seen it but I've been told it's very good it was amazing yeah. okay. have you got it off for sale? Uh, no, Damn. actually, I've, I'm pretty Sorry. sure he's not doing it anymore. That's why. So, <laughs> no, we didn't get to record that. Unfortunately, I would love to. Okay, um, I'm going to ask this one on the basis that you. It might just. It might not be. Uh, actually, no, no, I'm not going to ask it. But it was the question is uh, normally it's for comedians. This one because most comedians would bill themselves as a comedian or a writer or whatever. Right. But normally their income doesn't necessarily reflect what they would label themselves as. Okay. So I was going to say, does yours, but you do this full-time, so it's actually really redundant. Only recently I've been doing this full-time. Oh, okay. How, how long is... How long have I been doing this full-time? I used to do computer programming. Right. So, uh, and looking after computers in Chapter Art Centre. Okay. Which I only did because if you just computer program all the time, your mind goes funny. So it was nice to see people. Yeah. Uh, and then... The computer programming I did um, was on websites, mm-hmm. but then uh, that process became automated. So work was going down yeah. as luckily people were buying comedy DVDs. So there was a kind of crossover. For mm-hmm. years, there was a crossover where I was earning hardly anything as a programmer and more as a DVD man. Yeah. DVD man? Yeah. That's what I could be. Uh, and the, finally, I think the last piece of computer programming work was about two years ago. So it was, a gen- it was a gentle process. It was really kind of... So there was no heartache in it. Mm. It was not, I'm going to stop doing this and start doing this. It was a very mm. gentle fade between the two. How, how long did it take you then to go for... So is that like... So about two years ago, I'd been doing this and nothing else. Yeah. And how long have you been doing Go Faster? Oh. Crikey. <laughs> 2005, I think I started. So it took about a decade to get to... Yeah. Well, most comedians would kill for that <laughs> but I wasn't trying though that's the other thing yeah. is I wasn't I just kept on doing what it was like a hobby mm. and I can't remember the first time I actually took a grand out of Go Faster Stripe for my own personal private use yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was quite the day right and I think well it kind of it looks I think Go Faster Stripe can afford to pay me a little bit now yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was it was it was doing it for free but it wasn't like that it was like a brilliant yeah a brilliant hobby it was the best ever thing not only was I kind of um going to see Simon Munnery do his show in my local art centre mm. I was having a drink with him afterwards you know and we were emailing then about how how we were going to make it how the memory of it could then live on mm. so it was yeah it was the best ever thing oh, it sounds... still is actually yeah. it's just that now I do take money from it yeah. regularly well you need to I do need to live yeah, yeah exactly um, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made and how did you get over it to do with Go Faster Stripe it would be wouldn't it anything been very lucky uh, we've made things that have been expensive to produce and haven't sold but I don't think they're mistakes really mm. I mean they all sell eventually we did a 10 inch single with Stuart Lee that really was before vinyl had, had resurged so that was an expensive mistake but we sold them all in the end mm. and, and so it was alright in the end I mean everything's alright in the end isn't it biggest mistake there's been little wrong turns. Trying to sell the podcast, I think, was a wrong turn. I think it was much better to put them out for free. I'm trying to think of a new thing that we haven't talked about. No, I, stand, I don't think there's any DVDs I wouldn't make. If I had the option to not make it, I don't think I would have taken that option of anything. I'm just leafing through my memories of, uh, of filmings. No, even the ones that haven't come out, I think, they, I think they're fine. Sometimes we film stuff and it doesn't come out, Yeah. Uh, which you could look on as a mistake, but I don't. You know, we wouldn't have known that they wouldn't have come out nicely unless we'd have tried. Hmm. 
No, I don't think. Oh, that's terrible, isn't it? Apart from those little things, but I'm, I, I know I've been very lucky hmm. um, to not overreach myself. Okay. Um, what do you think is the biggest problem in the online element of comedy's industry and how would you go about solving it? Is this a quick fire round? Yeah, that's the thing. for me, I said, the quick fans, for me. I? I said the quick for me. You can take as long as you like. Online. So, uh, I don't know. I like the fact that uh, YouTube is easy to get hold of and you can put things up on there. I like the way that, uh, I think those comedy blaps are good that Channel 4 do and there's a little equivalent on BBC. Mm. I think that's good. Uh, but what's the biggest problem? I'm trying to think oh, of a problem. Okay, sorry, I'm going yeah, through yeah. online comedy oh, okay, and fine, I'm, I'm kind of think of a, of a thing. Uh, I, I don't... The fact that BBC Three is online now hasn't affected me at all. I thought I'd be really bothered by it, but that's yeah. that's worked out fine. I thought it would be a problem, but it's not for me at least. Uh, here's one: I don't like the way that I'll find out about a good Radio Four series after it's gone. I missed specifically Daphne's uh, Radio Four series. Just didn't realise it was on, and by the time I did realise it was on, it's gone. Like a so it's out of iPlayer type thing. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. It's a definitely a first wheel problem, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't like that they only put it on for like a week or something. Don't they? They don't, so I just yawned halfway through that because it is uh, no, <laughs> a boring it's, podcast. I apologise. Oh, exactly, thanks for that. That's very kind of you. No, it's more. I'm just not sleeping very well. Oh, um, and boring. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I, yeah, I just uh, that's the thing that really frustrates me about uh, the BBC in particular is is a they don't change the content when it's being consumed on a different medium so they'll put it on TV and then they'll just put it on iPlayer and it won't change even though right. I'm, I'm watching it closer on my laptop or whatever it just doesn't feel like they've made I mean I understand budget wise and all that stuff but that annoys me and the fact it's only on there for a week although I downloaded some Inside Number 9 the other day and that's still I can still watch it because I've got it downloaded oh so, yes yes but I'm saying about if I'm unaware yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I knew about Daphne and yeah. I, I think I might have even known that I had a series coming up but because I missed Mm. This this little window to listen to it. Here's another thing that annoys me about iPlayer. It's mostly amazing. I think mm. I think iPlayer is amazing, but do you know when you listen to a radio program and they've got a bit of the news beforehand, mm-hmm. it can't be hard to just edit that properly, can it? <laughs> How long would that take? I mean, I understand it seems to be an automated process because mm-hmm. there's different chunks of the news that you get, mm-hmm. uh, but that's I find that first world annoying. What I love is so I normally ask someone that question and they've you know like if I ask a TV. Uh, exec that or something yeah. they'll go it's really annoying you don't get the budget for the show that you're doing okay. or, or if I ask an agent they go oh it's really annoying that this comedian I tried to get hold of them for months and I couldn't sign them and they you know all this kind of stuff with you it's I, I, I don't get listened to enough radio <laughs> oh. there must be a thing so something that I've produced then no, no. Honestly, I, I, I wasn't mocking I just I just okay. I like it it's very endearing it's more all it's right. more down to earth than I think because I think as, I think it, I think it's it, it actually sums you up very nicely because um, they're much more uh, profit and career orientated, and okay. yours seems to have, like you said, just organically flowed. And so, as a result, that would be why that's your. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it, it almost okay. made, uh, in a way, if you'd said to me something like, "I really hate how Netflix has like started producing," you know, Stu's DVD, you know, like whatever, I'd mm. be like. That's, mm. that seems, yeah, exactly. But it would seem it would seem in Congress with the rest okay. of your your. Family. No, no, I love it. I just, yeah, yeah, there's more comedy around. That's what yeah. I want. I want there to be more comedy around that that uh, isn't just a series of jokes. Is is that I think you know making jokes is the way to change people's opinions on things. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I I just I, I don't know if you could change someone's. I think you could challenge an opinion, but I don't know if it would change it. 
I think if you're laughing at something, I think there's an intrinsic truth to it. Right. So I think that you would, if I'm laughing at something that you've said, I must kind of agree with the statement you make. I, I, may, I might disagree with the words that you've used. Or, yeah. Uh, but I'll have the, the reaction I'm get to the reaction I'm getting to it is probably the one you mean because you're making me laugh. Um, so it, it, and sometimes you might say the opposite of what you really mean, and that might be what's making me laugh. Mm. Um, but I think that is the way to get ideas out. I think it's a really powerful. I mean, you must know because you're a comedian, aren't you? But I think it's more powerful than my mum thinks. I think comedy is more powerful than my mum thinks it is. I th- I think comedy is very powerful, but I think. I think the reason it's powerful is because it's so intrinsically linked with someone's sense of self more than... Uh, so as a result, you can challenge their idea. But the problem is the only way of following up that change is to have a debate and a conversation. And yes. I don't necessarily think many people leave a comedy show. You know, I've, I think if I did a joke about, I don't know, uh, Trump, let's just pick him for now because he's easy, <laughs> as always. Um, if I did a joke about Trump mm. uh, and your opinion of him was, he's great and I'm taking the piss going, he's rubbish... Right, um, I don't think, and this is no diss to Trump supporters or anything like that. I just don't think someone would leave and then have a discussion about that. They'd go, "Oh, isn't it funny that he thinks Trump is great?" Like, or, or some, or you know, the or what was it the way around? Sorry, oh, he thinks Trump is shit. Um, so I don't know, but that's just my experience of it. I just, I, I think, I think very few people leave a show going that challenge. I'm going to follow it through now. Hmm. Oh, I do. Oh, I don't. I'm not actually challenged on my opinions very much, admittedly, because of the choice of people I go and see. Yeah. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. Yeah. But there'll be. Um, I don't know. Brexit seems to be a big issue now that seems to have divided us as a nation. But I suppose the people who are going to see the shows that I'm going to see aren't the sort of people who have voted differently to the way I voted. Mm. I see what you mean. So we need Anton Deck on Saturday Takeaway <laughs> to be broaching some of these subjects in a humorous way. That's what needs to happen. You're right. I agree with you. I, I've, I've yet to laugh at anything they've done. I watched it for the first so. time last week because okay. people were talking about it. And I thought, I don't know what you're talking about. I yeah. don't know what this is. So I forced myself to watch it and I laughed half a dozen times. Uh, you can't tell. I, know you're I, little, I couldn't like, believe it because everyone in the room was laughing. My kids were laughing. And I thought, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't know you people. Because yeah. like, when I put on my stuff, they're laughing at that as well. I'm thinking, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Correct to laugh at that. Uh but no, I did as well. Once I got kind of into the, the way, I think they're good. Anton Deck, I think they should, yeah. But broaching, I think they should broach weighty topics. That's what they don't do. Yeah, but it's not it's not good for their brand for them to do that right now. They've worked very hard to become the person, personable boys next door, cheeky chappy. Yes, you know, I um, can see that. Yeah. But the, the world would be a better place if they talked about weighty matters. But did it, if they did it in a funny way, then everyone who's enjoying their knockabout cheeky chap antics would still be happy. It doesn't matter to them though. Well, yeah, maybe they haven't just thought of doing it. They'll probably listen to this. Well, and, <laughs> and and or deck. I don't know. I, I don't know which. You know, um, just you know, maybe I tell you what. If you if you if you want to record a <laughs> a stand up hour of weighty topics mixed with little silly bits, yeah, it's Chris at gofasterstripe dot com. Yeah, just yeah. drop him an email. <laughs> Very happy to do that. I've got an Anton Deck mug here. Have you really? I used to. This will be embarrassing. Maybe shouldn't make the thing. But I used to go and see them when they were pop stars. Oh, PJ and Duncan. Me and my pal, they were PJ and Duncan the first time and then they were Ant and Deck the second time. They yeah. rebranded themselves. And we went to St. David's Hall to see them because I liked I liked them. Yeah, fair enough. So they would do their... Uh, and it wasn't for me, of course. It was full of teenage girls. And I was I was old. I was younger than I am now, but I was still too old to be there. Yeah. Everyone had a whistle apart from me. And they were blowing it. 
and the toilets were there was no one in them because there was no men there right <laughs> and then coming out of the toilets there was another man who said all oh, the things we do for our kids so I haven't got any children so I didn't have any children I thought oh, it's a bit weird that I'm here actually yeah. but it was I, I enjoyed it it's the only time I think it's happened where I've enjoyed something at the same level as a load of 12 year old girls we were all happy and dancing I I was at a gig about a month ago and at the end of the gig this girl came over and chatted to me and that doesn't happen like normally they just come over and go oh you're very funny and walk away yeah. but we were chatting away for a little bit and out of nowhere she dropped in the conversation that she was 18 and I was like <laughs> I need to go anywhere else right now I am I am a nearly teenager bracket age away from you <laughs> and uh, and that should be the how many meters we should not be talking like no context to this and, and i just kept trying to make my excuse and it was really it was like she was being really nice and stuff and it wasn't like you know weird or anything but even thinking about it i was like no there's, <laughs> there's no story there i don't want to talk to you i don't want to <laughs> i don't mean it in a nasty way it's just i as a 30 year old man now feel a bit no i shouldn't be around. yeah fair enough so so i wouldn't go and see pj and duncan now just i wasn't going to get chicks <laughs> nor was I I don't go to I comedy was... to get. if I did I would have stopped by now believe me that's not it's not a process that's ever worked for me so yeah alright well thank you very much for coming on pleasure thank you we'll end on that that was Chris as I've said before I love anyone who scratches their own itch and makes things happen for themselves and doesn't let a little thing like hard work get in the way of it I commend the work of Go Faster Stripe and massively endorse what they're doing I think you should definitely go and check out their website and see what they have to offer and see what they do because it's just really inspiring for me anyway but I think that taking time out of their lives when they've got busy work schedules and families and a day job and all that kind of stuff to make something happen that they want to exist is exactly what most performers do in any capacity so we should definitely be taking note of what they're doing and we should definitely be watching what they're doing more closely so please do check out their website and do tweet them to say thank you if you have enjoyed this episode also if you have enjoyed this episode please do consider checking out episode 82 with Dan Berg from Next Up Comedy they're a similar outfit to Go Faster except the fact that Go Faster you download the file so you can like put it on all your devices and whatever Whereas if you are next up, you stream it off their website. So you can download it like, and have it offline, but largely people stream it. If you want to learn more about online content, that would be a great one to go with as well. I'm also trying to get someone on from Netflix. I don't want to talk about that too much yet because I don't want them to hear this and get spooked or whatever. But please do subscribe if you would like that episode. And do tweet me if you can help me out with that because at the moment my lead is strong, but I feel like they're going to put it off until next year. So yeah, if you can help, please do. As I said before the podcast, this month I am on tour. I am going to Cambridge, Norwich, Manchester, Bristol, Bath. I'm not going to name all the places because I'm doing a lot of dates. But if you want to check out the link in the show notes, the show is called Laughter is the Best Placebo. And it, it I was going to say it's my best work, and it is. But having just spent a month in Edinburgh, like watching every comedian and every performer in fact say this is my best work this is my best show it's starting to sound really hollow like if you just say something over and over and over again it starts to lose all meaning um so i suppose i'll change it and say something like this is the best thing that i've made and the thing i'm most proud of in my live performing career and my live writing work to be honest with you so if you'd like to come and watch slash judge that then please do i would really appreciate the support and to meet more people from the podcast so if you do come say hi it'd be really nice uh if you can't come please do tell someone who can because that would really help as well and do remember to tweet the guest slash me if you've enjoyed it i really like getting those it's really nice and it 
means that I can say thank you to you instead of having to trawl Twitter every couple of days just to check, see if there's anyone I owe a thank you to. So please, please, please do that. If you're new here, please do hit the subscribe button. If you're old here, please do consider giving us an honest review on iTunes. And either way, please do consider sharing this link to anyone you think will get some value from it or considering giving us a donation on the website. Thank you very much for the support and I'll see you all in about 15 days time or sooner if you come and see a show. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.